<laughs> I want to tell you a little bit about Mbali if you don't know why all these people are screaming. Mbali is a true trailblazer in the digital and tech space, and that is where her, her career focus is. But she is also focused on empowering young women. That is something that she spends a lot of time doing. And I first met Mbali in kids' ministry. We served together with the, the little children. And if you don't see Mbali here, that's probably where you'll find her. That's still her home space. Um, and she just constantly dedicates time to empowering other people and to investing in other lives. And she has incredible, incredible impartation to give. So please, can you give her a huge round of applause as she shares with us? Thanks, Jess. Good morning. Yay, my sound works. So the first miracle of the day is the fact that I didn't trip on my on my system here, and you can tell that uh, my friends and my connect group are here, but really, really excited. Ah, yeah, ne? <laughs> really excited um, to, to be here. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, um, we ready our spirits to receive from you, Lord, and yeah, God, we just, we just stop for you, um, and Father God, even even in this moment, would you help me to, to speak what is on your heart, Father God, and Holy Spirit, would you teach us anew what it looks like to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart for your purpose and your purpose alone. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing in this house and what you will do through this word. In your mighty name, amen. amen. So, I think I'm ready to go. So apparently, um, guest speakers usually start... And they're like, this is my family, you know, this is my husband and my kids. And we've been married for five glorious years and we just love the Lord and it's so beautiful. So I am not yet married. Um, I do not yet have kids. So my connect group told me that I have to put a picture of them. So I had to put a picture of them because they say they are my family. Um, so <laughs> this is the last time you people will show up here. The next time they will be a husband in Jesus' name. <laughs> so this morning we're going to be talking about um, three things. Really, what is the purpose of your life? What is the purpose? of my life. And I think it's really important that we have this conversation in a Joburg context where there's so many things trying to tell us what it is that we should stand for, what it is we should be about, what is the purpose of life. So three things we'll talk about, the jungle gym of purpose, a call to be like Christ, and the identity and authority of his beloved. So a couple of years ago, I was a bit obsessed about um, my purpose and the future, right? And in that obsession, I started to create an amazing future version of myself. I mean, you guys should, you guys should have met her. She's brilliant. I mean, she is everything that I am but better. Like, she's just phenomenal. And in that, um, I remember the Holy Spirit stopping me and saying, this perfect future you that you have imagined does not exist. And in fact, she exists only to tell this you that you are inadequate. And even worse than that, tells me, God, that what I created is not good enough. 
So you need to let her go. So the first thing before we even start, those of you who are rearing yourselves and you have this perfect future version of yourselves that you have in your mind that you believe is encouragement, that you believe is kind of encouraging you to become better, I'm coming to say let that person go because that person is an idol. And as you create idols of future versions of yourself, you are stealing from what God has said about you. You are stealing from your purpose in the now and in the future of this you that God has created. So when it comes to, to purpose, as I said, I've really been obsessed um, about purpose. I have been seeking God, and I was like, Lord, what am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing on this earth? And about seven years ago, I really felt the Lord just press in my heart that he was calling me to, to create and enable people to feel loved in the workplace, that people would actually be able to walk into a workplace and feel that they were seen, that they were loved, that they were accepted, right? And at first when God said it, I was like, whoa, hicks, much friend. Um, good luck with that, hey. Um, I'll just be here minding my own business. Um, but after a while, I, I fell for it. I fell in love with it. Um, and then about two years ago, I was, you know, just minding my own business. I was making food. And I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, what if I said that your only purpose is to be a wife to your husband and a mother to your kids? And I was like, um, you're clearly talking to someone else. So I'm just going to wait until you tell me who this word is for. Um, in the, I mean... Seriously, I mean, I knew that my, my husband and kids will be the most important expression of my purpose, but why would you use a hurtful word like only? I mean, Sancho, <laughs> full stop. And I was like, no, Lord, this is not how this works. You are the one who said, I'm called to love people um, and cause them to feel loved and seen in the workplace. Did you just change your own plan? I'm just asking. I'm not the one that said this word. I'm just keeping you accountable to the things that you have said. Right? Um, and this, this got heated, right? So it started as a, a conversation with God, which escalated into a hectic confrontation. Have you ever had one of those where it's like, I am going to go Gideon on you, I will Jacob you, um, it's about to go down, right? And so guess what my plan was? My plan was I am going to go to the Bible and find something that I could use against God in this argument, right? So you guys are a lot wiser and more humble than I am. So you, you guys can see that this is about to off-ramp very, very quickly. Um, but I was like, nope. I'm going to show you. This is what you said in your word. Um, and I thought very, very quickly. I was like, who in the Bible had a purpose and a promise from God that God honored? And I was like, ha, our best friend Abraham. Abraham is it. I sat down and as I was reading the story of Abraham, I was absolutely blown away by God, what God um, started to show me in that moment. So if you open your Bibles to Genesis 12, we're going to read this very, very quickly because there's a lot um, to get through. So 
first of all, we know that Abraham didn't start out as Abraham. He started out as Abram. In the original Zulu, as Lireko would say, he was Abram, then he became Abraham. Okay? So in Genesis 12, um, 1 to 3, this is the first moment um, where we see God actually calling um, Abraham forward. Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Full stop. All right? So then this keeps going. First of all, we always think that this stuff in the Bible happens over, just because it's a chapter, it's like today, tomorrow, no. This was years and years and years and years and years, right? Um, so as you're thinking about this, look at it in that way, in that context of much time is passing between these words. Genesis 12, 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis 15, 5, you don't have to go find the word, sorry, it's not that kind of party. Um, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. I'm going to pause here and, see, and just allow you to see, do you see how this is progressing? That this is not one word that Abraham was able to hold on to and he was like, yep, 59 years ago, the Lord said, and I am waiting for him to come through in this way. Um, Genesis, Genesis 15, 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. Genesis 17, 4 to, 4 to 6, Abram fell down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come of you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. For the generations to come to be your God and the God of your your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as foreign, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Our favorite one, Genesis 22, 17 to 18. This is after the test of sacrificing Isaac. Because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So, What's interesting and beautiful about this is that Abraham didn't start out knowing that he would become not just the father of nations, the father of kings, that through his line, the Lord himself would be brought into the world. But he was able to access this purpose through incremental obedience. God knew what he wanted to do through Abraham, but his was to be obedient. In fact, Genesis 17 says exactly that. It says, the covenant is mine to keep. This is God speaking. Yours is to keep to the terms of the covenant. Some of you are doubting the validity of the things that God has said over you. 
But I'm coming to encourage you this morning that yours is to be obedient to the terms of the covenant because as we see through Abraham's story, purpose is progressive. And actually, Abraham didn't have one promise. He had seven based on my count, but he activated and accessed those promises through obedience. And I actually want to say Abraham didn't have faith. Everybody's always like Abraham faith. Abraham, the thing that stands out about Abraham is his obedience. It is not faith. And what does that tell you? It tells you that obedience is faith, and faith is obedient. So are you being obedient in the space that does not look like your purpose that you are currently in right now? Are you being obedient in the place that feels like a complete diversion from who you believe God has called you to be? Are you being obedient to the covenant in the now, because it is through that obedience that you will progressively access more of his promises and purposes for you. Are you being obedient to the terms of the covenant? A call to be like Christ. So when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is in Matthew 22, he says, we all know it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And um, Langa once taught this as, as um, We Will Worship was, was singing one day, and he said, you know, John is, like, John declares himself Jesus' best friend. He's just like, I am not waiting for this to be a competition. Me. I am the best friend of the Lord. Argue with your friends. Argue with yourselves. Right? So he declares it, and he's like, me and the Lord, we're in a separate WhatsApp group of our own. <laughs> and then in, in Revelations, the same John now sees Jesus revealed in his full nature, fully as God. And the Bible says that John fell down as though he were dead. That is phenomenal, that this person who was the most intimate with Jesus when he was on earth is the same one when he sees Jesus fully revealed as himself falls down as though he is dead. There is this space within our relationship with God which is both about deep intimacy but deep reverence. We are to be in awe of who God is as we encounter him, as we see him fully, as we see him as he is, as we see him revealed in our lives and on this earth, we are to revere him. So our call, our first purpose is to be in intimate relationship with God and to revere him and to live a life that is in awe of him. Then in John 13, so that was Matthew 22, in John 13, he says to, to everybody that's around him, including the disciples, he says, a new commandment I'm giving to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. What did Matthew 22 say? Matthew 22 said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In John um, 13, he says, love one another as I have loved you. What does that mean? It means that the standard of love all of a sudden gets raised. All of a sudden, it's not about how well I can love. All of a sudden, it's about the amount of love that I can access through grace in order to love people the way that I am called to actually love them. Now, 
If our lives as Christians are meant to be that we are called to be like Jesus, what about me? Right? We live in Johannesburg. What about me, Lord? If all you're calling me to do is to love you and to love people, what about me? What about my purpose? So many of you are probably... Um, aware of Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. We love the book. My friend Karawa and I, we even wished each other happy Becoming Day on the 13th of November. We are fans as though somehow we had something to do with it. Um, but the beauty and what we love about the word, even the word becoming, is that it is present continuous. It is currently happening and it is happening into the future, right? And there's a freedom in that. The freedom is that I don't have to have everything figured out in the right now. I get to progressively push and to try and to endeavor in order to be who I am called to be, but there is a freedom um, that comes with that. But as much as you and I love Michelle, and I absolutely love Michelle, the purpose of life is not to, is not becoming Michelle Obama, right? The purpose of life is not becoming Mbalin Dandani, becoming, insert your name and surname. The point and purpose of life is to become like Jesus. And don't be misled by new age self-actualization that the world has taken in that tells you that in some way you have the capacity within you to create your own journey, to create your path, to create your purpose. There is no purpose outside of Jesus. Yours, yours is to be able to partake in the purpose that God has led and laid out for you. So what if I say to you that I know what your purpose is and I don't even have to be Greg to do it. I know exactly what every single one of you's purpose is. What if like the greatest commandment and the greatest commission, we are called to love? What if becoming like Christ who we know is love is the only purpose that we have, what if the entire purpose of living and being on this earth is to be on a journey towards becoming love? Rather than focusing on changing the world, focusing on becoming love, on personifying love, of existing and bringing in love, ushering in love in the dark and light spaces where you are in the now and in the future, what if it wasn't about your dreams? What if the purpose of life isn't about your achievements and your failures, your gifts or your imperfections, your current circumstances, your future circumstances? What if the purpose of your life is not about you? What if the purpose of your life and my life is to become like Jesus? And so the question changes from what is my purpose to how am I becoming love? And the difference between these statements is the posture, right? Because the one stands there and says, I am looking for a solution. The other stands there and says, Jesus in me is the solution. How will I be that continually on an ongoing basis? How are you becoming love? See, the problem with me is that I say that the purpose of my life is to become like Jesus, but I live a life and I seek out a purpose that is led by my dreams and my gifts, forgetting that my dreams and my gifts are only a vehicle of expressing my purpose, which is 
to become love in the places where I exist and to love people towards him. So what does it look like to choose a path of becoming love? Galatians 5.22 in the Passion Translation says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. In all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of the spirit. What I love about this translation is that it says within me, within you exists divine love. Meaning I am carrying divine love. I am carrying that new standard of love within me because of the Holy Spirit that is within me. Becoming love looks like living out these expressions of love, joy, kindness, intentionally and courageously every day. It's choosing to be inconvenienced by love himself. So if your purpose has nothing to do with impacting people, changing people's lives, I would encourage you to go back to God again because there is no world where God was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love me and love each other where anything that he is saying to you excludes impacting and influencing other people. So when you choose a path of becoming love, you get to love people intentionally and imperfectly. And the beauty of it is because Christ is perfect. My imperfect love all of a sudden comes together and he does something with it. Are you convinced that Jesus is the only answer to the world? Because if you are, then what are your rituals of love? What are the ways in which you love irrationally and with abandon? Or are you responding to the world based on your own brokenness, your own disappointments, or just plain selfishness? And we love prophetic words, right? Because prophetic words are a whisper of God speaking and intervening in our lives and gives us the opportunity to choose hope instead of despair. But please do not hold on to prophetic words and wait for those to happen as though that is the only way that God would intervene in your life. God wants and calls you in this right now to become love exactly where you are. You don't know what your purpose is? Does not matter. If God has not spoken to you, you are in this right now called to love him, to revere him, to be in intimate relationship with him, and to become love to others. That new divine version of love. So Bob Goff is someone who, I have certain people who I will go and look at their stuff just to challenge myself. So I read Bob Goff's tweets um, and books just so I can be challenged by my standard of love and my standard of accessibility. So he says, when I say I don't have time for people, what I really lack is compassion. People own watches. Love owns time. And he says, so that's awkward, right? Because we're in Johannesburg. Person asks you, how are you doing? Oh, so I'm busy, hi. Yes, I don't even know how I'm keeping up. Like, you. But the Lord is gracious. Okay, does it sit together, these things, but it's all right. Um, 
And he says, if you struggle to explain your faith to someone, just go and love someone because you just have. And that is what becoming love looks like. It's not about us putting together fancy words, but it's stopping and saying, I will choose to bring divine love that I have accessed through the Holy Spirit in this moment and in this space. And if I make love my only plan, that makes living my purpose a lot simpler, right? Because... That means that all I am doing in every day, instead of asking the question, Lord, what is my purpose? Am I living it in this moment? Is saying, Lord, how should I become love in the space that I'm walking into? In this office, in this university, in the school environment, how should I become love in this place? The last point, the identity and authority of his beloved. So in Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image. Let him fill the earth and govern it. And other translations say subdue it. Subdue means you tell it what the chain of command is. You're like, this is the chain of command. This is what you will and will not do. And to govern means in the dictionary, it says to conduct the policy and actions and affairs of a state organization of people with authority. So Sibs once said something which was quite powerful, that there's two things that you need to settle in your life once and for all. Who God is and who you believe he says you are. That's it. Those two things need to be settled because as you settle those two things, it puts you in a place where you can step into everything else that God is calling you to. So if our identity and image is of him. He says, we are making the man in our own image. It means that our identity as called, as known, as loved, as seen, as accepted is done and dusted, period. You need to fight for that identity with everything. And as believers, we have the authority to rule the earth in love, in truth, and in power. Carol Gosman taught this profoundly, referencing Matthew 28, where Jesus appearing to the disciples after the resurrection says, all authority has on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit, Jess's favorite one. She says it every single time we meet for any meeting. So in her teaching, she asked the question, why did Jesus say all authority on earth, heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus God, why after the cross did he now have authority given to him? And the beauty is that if we remember Genesis 1.26, it says that man should rule and govern. The authority that Jesus came to claim back, the cross came to one, give us salvation, but two, return to us the authority that was stolen from us by the fall, which means your authority has been reclaimed by the cross, So, which means you can step into dark and dead spaces and declare the truth of God in love and in truth and in power and stand in that and say, God, this is who you are and this is who you will be through me in this space, I will choose to become love in this place and declare your truth because you are exactly who you say you are and you have given me your authority. You have returned to me the gift of authority that you gave to me in the beginning through the cross. Now it's up to me. But do you believe you have the authority? Do you believe that you have access to the fullness of heaven 
in the places where you are and that through you choosing the hard road of becoming love, you have access to that. It's Bob Goff again. He says, we don't have to call everything we do ministry. Just call it Tuesday. Because that's what people who are becoming love do. We all question our purpose and whether we're living it at different points in our lives. But the truth is that your purpose is not something that you find. As you choose a journey of becoming love in the spaces where you exist right now, in, in the future, you are living your purpose. You get to live your purpose one minute after the service ends. How powerful and freeing is that? And I believe that the prophetic words that we have received as a church to go deeper spiritually are calling us to dig deeper wells, that we need to consecrate ourselves anew, that we need to set ourselves apart anew to say we will not be in this mixed um, you know, worldly, but Christian, but I'm finding my purpose, but Jesus, you're kind of on the journey, but I'm not sure, but I will be on the journey and I will love your people only if you do through me what I want you to. May we not hold God at ransom when his message to us has been clear from the very beginning. He does not owe you your dreams. God does not owe me, he does not owe you your dreams. What he owes you is to love you, which he has done. What he owes you is to purpose you, which he has done. He has given you the fullness of himself, and now he says, I've given you even my authority, now go. And if we look at the Great Commission and we summarize it, it says, you know, it says, go into Judea, Samaria, da, 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 da. But actually, if we were to, to paraphrase it for ourselves, it says, go and become love in Judea, Samaria, Johannesburg, and to the ends of the earth. When we sing our, our, our declaration, when we say our declarations at the beginning of the service, we have one of our declarations says, there's an army of lovers who are fearless, and in love with you. Why are we, why do we declare an army of lovers? What does an army do? An army knows its purpose. It knows what it is there for and will not relent until the thing that they are meant to be doing in that place is done. And if we are called to become love in the places where we are, we do not relent until the place is reflective of the love that we are called to carry. And what couldn't we do if we made love? Becoming love, our only plan. Can we pray? Sure, Lord. Lord, in your word you say all creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Father God, we repent in this moment for not revealing you in the places where we are. Father God, we repent for our selfishness, Lord. We repent, Jesus, for, for choosing ourselves and choosing to be consumed by the things around us and not to be consumed by loving you and becoming love in the places where you have called us. Holy Spirit, you're calling us to a new level of depth. You're calling us to 
a new level of sacrifice, Lord God. Just change our hardened hearts right now, Lord God. Bring us the spirit of compassion, Lord. May your compassion burden us more than our dreams and our needs burden us. Holy Spirit, teach us anew how to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart for your purpose and your purpose alone. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us.